It is important and refreshing to receive a journal like Sources. I rely on Sources for a deeply informed and well-curated collection of essays responding to current events and issues in contemporary Jewish life. Hi, I'm Claire Sufrin, editor of Sources, a journal of Jewish ideas. We get in-depth information from noted scholars, often in dialogue with one another, which is not to say always in agreement. In the newly released spring issue, scholars examine the theme of Jewish life tomorrow, reimagining key Jewish concepts for the present and future. Read, reflect, and subscribe to the award-winning journal at sourcesjournal.org. My name is Daniel Hartman, and I'm the president of the Shalom Hartman Institute. Today is Sunday, June 27th, 2021, and this is For Heaven's Sake, a podcast from the Hartman Institute's I Engage project. Our theme for today is entitled, The Prime Minister with a Kippah, Religious Zionism and the Future of Israel. In each edition of For Heaven's Sake, Yossi Klein Alevi, Senior Research Fellow at the Institute here in Jerusalem, and myself discuss a current issue, sent you to Israel and the Jewish world. And then Ilana Steinhain, director of the Hartman Faculty in North America, explores with us how classical Jewish sources can enrich our understanding of the issue. Let's begin. Almost overlooked in the dramatic changes of the last two weeks is an historic watershed. Naftali Bennett is the first Orthodox Prime Minister of Israel. Not everyone in the religious Zionist community is thrilled. Some accuse him of betraying religious Zionism by preferring an alliance with the center and the left rather than the political nationalist and religious right and far right. However, Bennett's so-called betrayal opens up tantalizing questions about the direction of religious Zionism, which is one of Israel's most important communities, representing 10 to 15 percent of the population, but with much higher representation in key parts and leadership in Israeli society, for example, officers in elite combat units of the IDF are often 30% from the religious Zionist community. Beyond the politics of this moment, I'd like to focus our conversation today on the deeper meaning of Bennett's choice, on its implication for Israeli Jewish identity. What does this say about religious Zionism? Is it principally a movement concerned with Israel's security and military issues? or one which also has a voice on issues of state and religion? And if so, what is its voice? Is its voice different from that of the Haredim? And how does it position religious Zionism on these issues? As a movement so central to present-day Israel, understanding religious Zionism and unpacking the meaning of Bennett as prime minister is critical to understanding Israel's future. Yossi, great to be with you again. Both of us are a little bit, I don't know, are we, are we both members of the religious Zionist community? A little bit, no? I ask myself that question, uh, and I, don't, I still don't know the answer. 40 years after living in Israel, I'm a Zionist. Am I a religious Zionist? That has very particular implications. So what is it? So what are the implications? Let's briefly, you know, we could do an advanced seminar on this, but let, let's try to briefly... You know, as much as you and I could do anything brief, um, or at least I'm speaking for myself. Um, <laughs> you're not supposed to laugh at that, Yossi. Um, I'm allowed to make fun of myself. You're not allowed to make fun of me. Um, oh, we're making fun of the- <laughs> We're a team, Danielle. 
You know, Daniel, I um, had a neighbor who, a uh, secular neighbor, who said to me once, it was before one of one of our elections, and he said, uh, I asked him who you're voting for. He said, I don't know. He says, well, for you, it's easy. I said, why is it easy for me? <laughs> he says, you vote for the religious Zionist party. I said, really? I said, I've never voted for the religious Zionist party. And so why? Because I wear not just a kippah, I wear a knitted kippah. Now, I wear a knitted kippah because I like it. I like the way it looks. Yossi, I'm sorry, you also have a from beard. You like I have you, a beard. I have you a beard. Have a whole, it's a from beard. It's like it looks a little, you know, it's impressive. <laughs> so, so what is this movement? Joking aside, but, you know, you and I, let's go a little deeper. What, what do you believe is the essence of the religious Zionist community? It's both an ideology and a culture. The, the ideology is that the state of Israel is not, in its essence, a, a secular phenomenon. It has religious meaning. How much religious meaning is debated in the religious Zionist community? And that's where you have a spectrum. Uh, culturally, religious Zionism functions, uh, to use the language we, we use at, at, at Hartman, it's a, it's a tribe. Uh, it, it is a tribe with very distinct dress. You can immediately identify uh, a religious Zionist man uh, by the kippah and a religious Zionist woman by the kind of skirt and the sandals. And, and it has a, a, a specific place in, in, in the Israeli mythos. There are certain moments of Israeli history that are identified especially with religious Zionism. 1967, the, the wall. Uh, there are moments that, that, that have become part of the religious Zionist mythos. Now, you spoke, what was it, about their cultural dimension, and the first one was on their ideological. I want to break out the ideological. You said the ideological one is that they see the state of Israel as a value. As vested with religion. religious meaning. Meaning, right. Thank you. I, I want to, I think that's historically correct when you look at the religious Zionist community from its inception. But I think when you look at it today, I think there is a clear ideological split within the religious Zionist community. One which sees the essence of religious Zionism and the essence of Zionism in many ways, or what you called the religious value of Zionism, is essentially connected to the land of Israel. Um, religious Zionism don't just dress a certain way. They have created and led and constitute the majority of, the Isra of, of Israel's settlement community. Um, and while not every religious Zionist is a settler, almost all the settlers are religious Zionists, and most religious Zionists, even if they don't support it completely, they are on the political right, um, seeing the, the sanctity of the land of Israel as of ultimate significance. And in this way, they're very different from American orthodoxy, whatever it might be. This is a movement which, which sees of the, the 613 commandments, the most important commandment is to settle the land of Israel. And it is the settling of the land which makes all the other commandments possible. For it is only within the land that the fullness of mitzvah, the fullness of spirituality, the fullness of God's presence can be expressed. So they brought to Israel not a sanctification of the state of Israel, but after 67 was the sanctification of the land. And political right-wingness is, is therefore an essential feature. The other part of the religious Zionist community, and here too there's a spectrum, 
They're orthodox like the ultra-orthodox, but their principal difference is that modernity is a part of their value system. Modernity is a part of their system. Um, modernity is important. For some, it's just living in modernity. But for many of them, and I think this is especially what we see in Bennett, they're, they're not just comfortable in modernity, modern values. Modern values which include um, gender, pluralism, open-mindedness, the need for halachic change from time to time, or even a certain modernity as a smell of secularism. In other words, there is, there's these two ideological pulls, land overriding or defining halacha, and the other one is modernity conscribing or living side by side with halacha. Yeah, I think, I think you're laying out the, the tensions beautifully because what, what, is, what is being played out now with Bennett is the tension between the cultural commitment to modernity on the one hand and the political commitment to settling the land on the other. One commitment leads them to one kind of coalition, and that's Bennett's current coalition now. That's a cultural coalition, a, cult, a cultural coalition of modernity. The other coalition, the political coalition of settling the land, leads them to the Likud and Smotrich and the Haredim. Bennett has chosen a cultural coalition over his political coalition. Do you use cultural in the way that I use ideological? I'm using cultural in terms of commitment to modernity, and that is an ideological. It's ideological. So he has two ideologies. Yes. Yes. And, and, and so, so the way to see the way to see the current discourse in Israel is that this is a decision in the religious Zionist community that at this moment, what is more important? So then the natural question, like which part of my religious Zionism, my modernity or the land of Israel takes precedence? Why in your mind? Like, why now? He ran all the time. No, it's so interesting, Daniel, because Bennett remains committed to settlement and the complete land of Israel. But what he's done in choosing this coalition is prioritize, very subtly but clearly, prioritizing his commitment to a cultural coalition of modernity a vision of an Israel that is modern, functioning, high-tech, successful, over an Israel that mortgages everything to the value of settlement. That's what he refuses to do. I love this, Yossi, because you know what's really interesting here? Because the essence of Netanyahu's coalition was a willingness to sacrifice Jewish modernity or, or Judaism's modernity in order to achieve a coalition with the ultra-Orthodox parties who in return delivered on right-wing nationalism. So right-wing nationalism gave up modern Judaism for the sake of right-wing nationalism. And that was the essence of the Likud-Bennett religious Zionist Haredi coalition. Bennett is changing the order. And in many ways, he's trying to create a right-wing Israel which doesn't require a rejection of modernity. Now, that's big news. That's, that's really big news. You know, we're, you and I, we spend our whole lives 
trying to engage world Jewry with Israel. There's a vision of Israel today, which Jews who embrace modernity on the whole spectrum of liberal Judaism, from modern Orthodox to conservative reform, reconstructionist rule, post-denominational secular. <gasps> I'm breathing. I think I got everybody. But they're, they're going to find within Bennett, there's, there's an Israel moving in another direction. So this is a, a critical, critical move. And uh, now that religious Zionists are part of it is what's tilting the scale. Because otherwise, religious Zionists and ultra-Orthodox who make up 25-30% of the society, you can, you can never make that move if you excluded both of them. Then it would be a civil war. Now you noted earlier that there's a great deal of ambivalence in the religious Zionist community about the first religious Zionist prime minister. Now, this is a moment, Daniil, that religious Zionism has been dreaming of since the Six-Day War. The moment that they would inherit labor Zionism and they would, they would be the, the carriers of the Zionist ethos. Bennett has now fulfilled that dream, but he's done it at a very steep price for the community. He's forcing religious Zionists to choose to prioritize. Right. Yes, yes, we're, we're, I'm committed to settlement and I'm committed to modernity. But here's, here's, the, here's the trade-off. In order for me to actually lead the country, I have to prioritize modernity over the land of Israel. But I think there's another move, as you were talking, that I, that, that, that I began to think about. You know, you spoke about, and here I actually want to go back to your opening notion, that when you see the state of Israel as of religious value. I think maybe what's happening is religious Zionism is going back to its roots in which it braces the religious value of the state of Israel and not just of the land of Israel. That, that what Bennett is saying is that I want to embrace the state of Israel as, the, as its citizens. It's its people. Even Israeli Arabs. Even, that's interesting. Even Israeli Arabs. He's doing it. That's true. He, he was doing that. Um, but I think that what you see here also is religious Zionism making not only a choice to embrace modernity, but to realize that what happens inside the borders of Israel is of equal religious significance to what happens on the borders and where the borders are. And what happens in Israel is not just a question of of the rabbinate and kashrut and which buses run. But here, too, he's making another priority. He's saying that, that avas Yisrael, fighting sinat chinam, that, that, that loving Israel, fighting senseless hatred, that's a Jewish value even more than what bus or which rabbi is going to perform which conversion. So there's, there's also a deep revolution within the definition of religiosity the fact that we are a people obligates him. And you know where you saw that when he was minister? And for him, it was self-evident when he, when he was minister of diaspora affairs. It was self-evident for Bennett to go into a conservative reform shul. He was lambasted in Israel because we know reform is the equivalent of, you know, the enemy. But for him, it's, his Zionism means that he has to embrace his people. And that's also a very, for a long time, that voice was absent in our community. Yeah. yeah, and I think what we're going to be seeing from, uh, from, from uh, Bennett's government in terms of religion and state 
is first of all, a change in tone, a softening, a, an embrace, which will include reform and conservative Judaism as part of, of, of the Israeli whole. Yossi, what we're, what, we're, what we're then seeing is it's not just a political shift, but it's a, a religious shift from a national perspective. How significant do you see this shift in changing the secular religious dichotomy, the whole discourse around religion? Are secular Israelis changing also? Look, I think that what we're seeing taking shape in this government is the belated reflection on the top of the revolution that's already happened on the ground. Secular and religious Israelis, there's a fluidity and interaction, uh, not just not just socially, personally, but culturally. You see it in the music. You see how Israeli rock music is so comfortable with religious themes. This is not the same Israel of a generation or two ago. The biggest, the biggest stars today, are probably the number one Israeli pop star. Many of them are, are Orthodox Jews. Absolutely. Absolutely, and uh, and and Ben Ari, Yishai Ribo, Eviatar they've transformed Israeli music in a seamless way. They didn't do it in a, in a, in a provocative or revolutionary way. And so what's, what we're seeing happening now on the top is a, is a reflection of what Israel actually is. And I think Bennett understands this. Look, he lives it. He lives it. He married a, a, a secular woman. And so what, what I love about this government is that it's finally giving us back who we really are. There was something in the last years where, where I felt that our real face was being denied us by, by the government. So it actually, if I would analyze the consequence or what, what, what is the exercise that we just did? The, the president, Rivlin, speaks of four tribes, Haredi, religious Zionist, secular, and Arab. And he says, we have to learn how to be a multi-tribal society, calling for pluralism. But paradoxically, by delineating such clear lines between the tribes, he actually makes coexistence impossible. When, there's, when we're so different, we become so entrenched, it becomes very, very hard to transcend your tribe. When we actually scratch, when we analyze what Bennett has done, when we analyze the consequences of his choices, what we're seeing is that, in fact, religious Zionism is much more complicated than we wanted to see it as. It's not monolithic. Religious Zionism is not settlers. Bennett is not a settler. There's a big difference between Bennett and Smotrich. There's a significance to his choices to be willing to sit with, with merits and, and labor and to say, these are my friends and these are lovers of Israel. Danielle, if this government succeeds, it will redraw the tribal map. Yes. And that the secret to redrawing the tribal map is for us to be willing to recognize much greater complexity in the other tribe. It's not four tribes. There's 50 tribes. Each one of us is multiple tribes. And when we're on the spectrum, we could connect to each other. There's a spectrum of Zionism. And part of what happened in the prior government is the stiltification of the discourse by creating clear lines between the tribes. And religious Zionism, what we're saying to our audience, understand the complexity of religious Zionism 
And through that, there'll be room for you to have a more complicated understanding of Israeli society. Yossi, let's take a break. And when we come back, Ilana Steinhain will join us. Hi, I'm Rabbi Lauren Birkin, Vice President of Rabbinic Initiatives at the Shalom Hartman Institute of North America. Even in the most challenging times for the Jewish people, scholars at the Shalom Hartman Institute in Israel and North America push themselves to think about what could be and to focus on a Torah of possibility. That's why we're so excited to announce that registration for our virtual summer symposium is now open. Over two weeks from July 5th to July 15th, we'll be running public lectures, small seminars, and lots of opportunities for conversation, exploring possible futures for Israel and the diaspora, Zionism, and Jewish identity. Featuring top scholars like Daniel Hartman, Yehuda Kurtzer, Michal Biton, Rachel Korazim, and Yossi Klein-Halevi, you can register today free of charge at summer.hartman.org.il. Ilana, it's great to be with you. Um, I'm sorry, I know my voice is very hoarse, but I think I've been talking too much about Israel to North American Jews. Um, <laughs> since I think my throat is another casualty of the war in Gaza. <laughs> I got to say, you know, it's so nice. It's just so nice to hear um, just a positive attitude thinking about the Jewish people as one. You know, we're taping today on the 17th of Tammuz the fast day that commemorates the destruction of the walls of Jerusalem in the first and the second temple. And we always talk about the kind of factionalism that leads to that kind of destruction. And you're really talking about a rebuilding, which is just really inspiring. It's really a beautiful thing. I want to say from where I sit, I have two stakes in this. Um, and, and that's where I want to go with the Torah. The first is Naftali Bennett went to my elementary school. So if you want to know, what tri-state area modern Orthodox Jews are thinking. We're not thinking about this tribe and that tribe and who's in what and who's in where. We're thinking, holy cow, he went to Yavna Academy for two years. We have a connection to the prime minister of the state of Israel. And I just think that's so fascinating because it's such, it, it's an outsider's view, but it gives you, I think, um, it gives you a window into how modern Orthodox Jews in America see this kippa wearing, this kippa clad man, right? And there's stuff going around him wearing tefillin, wearing phylacteries. Like there's an excitement like, hey, he's like us, which I just find really, really interesting for the Israel diaspora relationship in terms of modern Orthodox Jews, Israel diaspora relationship. And then the second thing that I want to say is I'm connected to Migdal Oz, which is the sister seminary to Yeshivat Haaretzion, to Gush Etzion. And Rabbanit Esti Rosenberg runs it, and it's right outside of Efrat, and it is a religious Zionist institution. They have a program for Americans, but it's mostly for Israelis, and it's before army or before national service and after army or after national service. And what was fascinating to me is they sent out a letter to all of their alumni, to their Bogrot, their alumni, which goes to mostly Israelis, but also Americans, saying, you know, we were invited to take a public stance to support Naftali Bennett's government. And we said, we can't do that 
because we want to keep our study hall, our Beit Midrash, free of politics. And we recognize that within the national religious camp, people will have different opinions. And I thought that was fascinating because religious Zionism is built upon the coupling of politics and religion. And so I want to look at this moment as a moment of what's the internal conversation which in, within the religious Zionist group, recognizing like, wait a second, there's a piece of us that's going this way and a piece of us that's going that way. And the concept that I want to focus on, because I've seen it in the conversations, in the discourse within religious Zionist communities, and not just that, religious communities. You have Haredi MKs getting in on this conversation as well. The concept is Chilul Hashem, profaning God's name. What is going to be considered a pr profanation, meaning something that is negative, that is negating God's sacredness? And what is going to be considered a Kiddush Hashem? I just want to make sure that you're, that this, you're seeing a division within religious Zionism or within orthodoxy around this category? Yes, meaning we'll get to it in a second what that division is. But first, I just want to put on the table that it is an operative term that is being thrown around, meaning there's a grave, grave concern right now that everything you, Yossi and Daniel, you talk about of are we going to prefer modernity or are we going to prefer the sanctity of the land, that somebody may be doing something that because they represent a religious observant of God's law kind of approach because they represent someone religious, that if they do something wrong, it's profaning God's name. And there's actually disagreement within the Datilumi, within the religious Zionist community as to what constitutes profaning God's name. Um, it'll become clear. Let's just look at the concept for a second. First of all, if you want to know where it comes from, we're looking in the Torah, we're looking at Leviticus chapter 22, verse 32. And you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the children of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Which it comes in a passage that doesn't make completely clear what this sanctifying of God's name is or what this profaning of God's name is. And the truth is that over time, there are moments in Jewish history where sanctifying God's name means that if somebody tells you convert to Christianity or die in order to sanctify God's name, you allow yourself to be killed. So it could go really, really far. But there are places in the Talmud where we talk about this idea of what constitutes a chilul Hashem, profaning God's name, or what constitutes a kiddush Hashem, sanctifying God's name. And there, it's actually a little bit more prosaic than that. And I think the prosaic and the differences are really at odds here because it's a different kind of breakdown than what you two suggested, where you said, is it modernity or is it land? I want to suggest a different kind of breakdown, which is what constitutes sanctifying God's name and what constitutes profaning it? Because I think there is a serious argument in the heart of religious Zionism right now on that issue. So here goes, we're in Yoma, the tractate that is basically about Yom Kippur, 86a. The Talmud asks, what is an example of desecrating God's name? And it's a long excerpt. I always want people to go to the source and see more, but I'm going to give you a piece of it. Rabbi Yochanan said, here's an example. If I would walk four cubits without Torah 
and without wearing my tefillin, my phylacteries, that would be profaning God's name. Now that's really interesting. It sounds like what he's saying is, if I'm walking around not performing the duties that I'm supposed to perform religiously, then that's profaning God's name. Maybe people will think that you don't have to wear phylacteries. Now remember back then, the big rabbis walked around with their phylacteries all day. So if he's not wearing them, people may think, oh, you don't have to wear them. They're not that important. Essentially, he's shirking his religious duties. But then there's another suggestion. Yitzchak from the school of Rabbi Yanai says, I'll give you an example. You know what's profaning God's name? Any case where one's friends are embarrassed on account of one's reputation, meaning they hear people saying, oof, that person really doesn't behave very nicely. That's a desecration of God's name. That's quite different from saying that you're not wearing your tefillin, that you're not wearing your phylacteries. That's, hey, you heard so-and-so who's so religious, you should hear the way he talks to his mother, right? You see so-and-so who's so pious, you should see what he says when he's outside of Bennett's house protesting, right? To me, there are two very different understandings of what would be a desecration of God's name. One is you're doing something that's religiously wrong, inappropriate. You've crossed the line. And the other is you just, it doesn't look right to people. When people hear what you do and see what you do, you're not making Torah look good. And I'm seeing this conversation happening within religious Zionist circles, whether it's people who are calling and saying, it's actually a chilul Hashem. It's a profanation of God's name to create a coalition like this. It's profaning God's name to be willing to give up on certain land issues. It's profaning God's name. Why? Because the focus is on whatever the religious hard line is. And then I hear others in the religious Zionist camp using the same language, saying you're profaning God's name if you are going to protest violently, if you're going to say that bad things should happen to the people who are trying to make this coalition. It's a completely different vision of what we're actually talking about here. And then throw in, forget religious Zionists, throw in the Haredim. If we want to have a fight over religion and who represents God best in the public square, I don't know if people saw a few weeks ago, there was a, a wild interaction where some of the Haredi members of Knesset were talking about how Bennett should take off his kippah. This coalition is a total Chil Hashem. We're going to go to war against this. Why? Because they're going to change kosher law and they're going to change conversion, meaning they're not going to wear their tefillin in the, in the public square. This is terrible. And then who shoots back? One of the new MKs, Matan Kahana. He says, you don't know anything about sanctifying God's name. Sanctifying God's name is when you're lying down for fear of ambush and you have to pray lying down. We make the biggest, biggest sanctification of God's name by being in coalition with everybody. And it's you people who make the actual Chilol Hashem, the actual degradation of God's name. So would you say that a way to look at your dis fascinating distinction is, are you desecrating God's name or are you desecrating God's reputation in the eyes of human beings? Yeah, I, I, think, I think both of them are desecrating God's reputation. I just think it's a question of where you place the emphasis, right? Meaning we always talk about this, that we have responsibilities between human beings and God, and we have responsibilities and rituals that are between human beings and human beings. What I see here is really a question of where religion wants to assert itself 
in the Israeli public square, meaning is religion something that's going to be focused primarily on what are the boundaries? And by the way, those boundaries could be between people too, right? But what are the boundaries? Or is religion going to assert itself as a unifying force, as a force that says a godly society looks like a unified society? And, and I think those are two impulses that are very real for anybody who has religious convictions, right? We can't deny either of those impulses. That's then not an issue merely of religious Zionism. But then this discussion about religious Zionism in your framing is a core discussion about how we understand religion itself, whether in Israel, whether in North America. And it's a frontline conversation which covers uh, denominations and, and transcends continents. A hundred percent. But what I love about it is it's such an Israeli discussion because in America, we have as much separation between church and state as we can, right? Not always, doesn't always work out perfectly, but the fact that two MKs are yelling at each other over which one of them is making religion look bad is just, I actually think that's a contribution. Like, I, I actually think that's a contribution where you bring God into the public square and have an argument over what role God should play there. You know, there's something, it, 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 as, a, as a diaspora Jew, as an American Jew, I look at that and I say, oh, I know all the attendant problems with it, but this is part of struggling to have a public sphere, a Jewish public square. If I'll frame it this way, the implication of Naftali Bennett's move is that um, instead of just talking about issues of how do we best create an Israel, how do we separate state and religion, how does a different conversation of religion in Israel change the whole nature of the state um, because Israelis never wanted that separation. So with this religious Zionist move, the question is not um, whether religion will have a place in the state. What's really changed now is which religious perspective is going to have and shape Israeli society. Yossi, do you have any last thoughts? I think that for us, this is such a hopeful moment because at Hartman, this is what we've, what we envision is a positive expression of a, of a Judaism that's fully engaged with modernity in the Israeli public space, that respects democratic values, that respects pluralism, but that is rooted deeply in Jewishness. That's, that's the essence, as I understand it, of Hartman Torah. That's why we're all part of this work. That's right. So this is a moment of, of, of vindication, or at least of, of hope. So by, by analyzing this movement, religious Zionism, um, we're really not analyzing religious Zionism. We're talking about a possible new place for religion, religious discourse, not in the legal sense, this law will pass or not, but the whole place where of what we call religious, as Ilana said, and what is going to be the, the emphasis of religion within, within Israeli society, and something is beginning to change. Yossi, Ilana, it was a pleasure uh, to be with you. Thank you. For heaven's sake, is a product of the Shalom Hartman Institute. It was produced by David Svi Kelman and edited by Tali Cohen. To learn more about the Shalom Hartman Institute, visit us online at shalomhartman.org. We want to know what you think about the show. You can write to us at for heaven's sake at shalomhartman.org. Subscribe to our show in the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are available. Thank you for joining us. <laughs>